WTBC Radio and Beautiful Anywhere Anyone is brought to you by Live Bar, made right here in Salem, Oregon, just like this podcast. Gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, corn-free, and GMO-free. If you want to get a product like that in a wide assortment of unique flavors, including a new vegan option, then you are going to want to visit livebars.com to find out just how and where you can get these wonderful treats. Raspberry kale maca, blueberry vanilla kale, coffee maple cacao, lemon ginger turmeric, and the new vegan option, lemongrass cherry matcha. If you want to find out more about these bars, where you can get them, where they are sold, and which flavors are going to become your new obsession, then please visit livebars.com. That is L-I-V. B-A-R-S dot com. Live Bar. Eat real food. It's our conversation with Mick Hickman. Guitar player in years for months. And DJ for Northwest Notes on KMUZ. Don't forget to tune in every Sunday, 4 to 6 p.m. Wanting to be cool. There's a lot to be said for things that are big, flashy, that catch the eye, that have an attitude and a persona to them that uh, just seem fucking awesome you know you want to shake your tush you want to dance the night away you want to find some way that this meaningless pap drivel this sugary saccharine sweet whatever is going to somehow give some value to your life in a way that you won't regret in the morning however there is something to be said for homegrown heroes Things that are pretty unassuming on the surface. You know, the first time you're exposed to it, it's it's almost too simple. It's almost too easy. Y- you kind of look at it and you're like, wow, this, this feels like someone I would know. This feels like something that I would run into when I'm out just living my life. It's strange how you can go from something that feels completely glamorous and amazing, like music, that just always suggests that everyone around you might be a little bit more well-known than you think, uh, to something that's just, you know, down home in a way. Mick Hickman manages to encompass both of these worlds, feeling like some sort of rock star while maintaining an absolute unassumingness that basically permeates his entire persona. (laughs) Now, we do talk about his radio program a fair amount, and uh, we definitely get into uh, his new band and the songs they're recording, but... For the most part, we just kind of pal around in this conversation, which I think that you will find uh, sounds very 
podcasty in that same way where it's just two guys talking about stuff they dig. And for that reason, I think this show kind of stands out because when you're trying to, you know, do that little game of like, oh, well, what do you do? Oh, uh, what do you do? And uh, oh, well, that's very fascinating. It can feel like you're sizing each other up and that can lead to some very dull listening, I'm sure. So I, I, what I felt was really excellent about this particular arrangement was that Mick and I managed to reach this, uh, well, um, kind of very quick understanding that, you know, this is just about who we are and what we do for fun. It's not some sort of like who's cooler than who kind of game or we're not trying to establish like the scene hierarchy of which person we must bow down to because they have this much knowledge about X. I mean, yeah, we do get into a little bit of like the um, family tree of Salem, so to speak. And that's definitely something that, you know, uh, I'm interested in as an outsider. I moved to this area a few years ago with my wife. This is not my uh, area of expertise or something that I have uh, a lot of um, fr fresh contact with. You know, everything that I've learned about Salem has been since I have gotten here. And what's fascinating about it is that when you start to uncover some of these stories, you realize that this should have been in the news as much as Eugene and Portland. That's the real tragedy of getting to know these local heroes who have been in excellent bands and have been trying year after year to establish some sort of just down-home wonder to the things that they do. No one here is trying to become rock stars or famous or anything like that. Our fashion game is pretty simple for the most part. But what we do have in Salem is this interest in art, in making it, in the culture that surrounds the ways that we consume art. And I think that that's something that's very special that has to be highlighted in some form or another. And I'm definitely going to make room for it here on this program. WTBC Radio in beautiful anywhere, anywhere. This conversation was recorded on January 4th, 2018. Now, how long have you been only doing this for a few years now, right? Like five, five, yeah. yeah. Now, where you were ground floor at I got KMUZ? in that first year. Okay. Uh, so I'm not one of the originals, but uh, I got in early enough. I could pretty much pick my time slot. Nice, so. <laughs> nice. Are you in the same time slot? Yeah, now? I haven't moved. <laughs> Sundays at four. That's kind of nice to have that kind of consistency. Yeah, it's uh, very nice. Yeah. Had you done radio before that, or was this Never. your first? Wow. Never in my life. What? Uh, I mean, in high school, I did uh, radio commentary at speech tournaments. Oh, okay. okay. But that was the, the closest thing wow. that I'd ever done. Was there a, uh, a drive behind this? Or did you have this like sudden, no. like, oh, I must do radio? Or I was at Clockworks uh, doing mm. trivia night, and I met Tim King. Mm. Uh, he, he was down there for trivia night solo and I was down there solo 
and they just put us together into a team. Nice. And uh, big personality, Tim. Too. Yeah, he is. Like when you first meet him, he's like very like, hey, yes. you know, it's very it's very buoyant and and upbeat. Yeah, he's very very upbeat. But he uh, mentioned that he did the radio show, and it just kind of intrigued me, and I looked into it and realized, hey. I can do this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so he must have been ground floor then. Yeah. Part of that first batch. Yeah, he was. <clears throat> got it, got it. Yeah. But now, uh, five years, though, like, you know, that go that, ta- that goes beyond the I'd like to do something phase. <laughs> right. And it goes beyond the, like, well, I've done this for a little while and I'll keep doing it for now phase. I gave myself two years. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's... That's about how long bands lasted for me. Sure. I'm usually a, I, and I, it was kind of the same thing. As mm-hmm. it, it, it filled that same void in me that being in right. a band did. And uh, so that's kind of what I gave myself. And it's still there. I'm not burned out yet. <laughs> the romance is not uh, faded. No. Nope. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So uh, when you started Northwest Notes, was this one of those things where... Um, uh, you had this is the vision for this show and, and it's still like that or was that something that over time has kind of changed or evolved no I uh, when I started because I uh, I just wanted to do a radio show when I found out I could but I was like <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do sure and I just I went home and I looked at my records and trying to come up with, you know, what, what genre can I, can I focus on? And my records are pretty varied, but the one thing that seemed to be a common thread throughout them all was they were local. Right. Because that's how I've always discovered new music was by going to shows. And I'd go to a show of a band I liked, and, oh, this other band opening for them is really good. I'll buy their record. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just kind of... Pretty soon, yeah, boxes of 45. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. And so I decided to do a local show. And, you know, like, I mean, I don't, I hate to sound like I'm always belaboring this point, but it's, I think it needs to be stressed. Sometimes finding out about local music is really hard. It can be. Like, you you know, even in the era of the internet, even in the era of, like, oh, I can Google anything, so Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, there is this kind of odd moment where you you can get a result of something that's national quicker than you can get a result of something local yeah uh and so i remember you know okay so i'm moving to salem i'm like first thing i do is salem bands and you know part of it was because it's like a trick question a lot of salem bands are misidentified as portland oh, or yeah. eugene yep. and so like you miss that or you just get lumped into the corvallis salem trajectory of groups yep. and whatnot uh, and so it's, it's, I don't know, it's just funny to me to realize that, like, supposedly we live in the future, and yet it is still harder to find out about your neighbor's band than it yeah. is about, like, something national. <laughs> Even in a community this small, uh, there are so many bands that I mm-hmm. have just never heard mm-hmm. of, and right. let alone heard. Uh, so we have a ton of great music here, uh, a, a ton of music, period, but yeah. uh, a ton of really good stuff. Yeah, well, you know, and and I I may have made this point before, but, like, I feel like the signal-to-noise ratio of Salem got lost for a long time, you know? Like, there was stuff happening here, Mm -hmm. and people just didn't hear about it. It was, like, lost in the din of, like, 
Eugene in Portland, and yeah. you know, those are pretty big voices in the music. It's always world. been that way. I think uh, it, it's kind of a roller coaster, though. Of, mm-hmm. It goes in waves. Well, and like, and I think when you get here and you start digging under rocks and you know going into venues and seeing what's around, you realize it's just as you know plentiful as anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's just for some reason there's not this big spotlight on it. Going yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah. You know. It, you know, we're living in the shadow of Portland. Uh-huh. You know, when you have a town that is, I mean, that Portland is a great music town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we do kind of live in that shadow that, you know, so many Salem bands just say, hey, we're a Portland band. Yeah. Well, it's the same L.A. problem, you know, like there's a million suburbs with all these mm-hmm. kids that are starting these different groups. But like if they want to get anyone to pay attention to them, they say they're from L.A. and they yep. said they play the main clubs that everyone plays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there's still that same kind of draw. Like I love hearing about Salem bands that are playing Portland clubs that I like, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm like, oh, excellent. Finally, this will get a little, you know, uh, spotlight. <laughs> well, it used to be that's all you could do. <clears throat> Right. We just didn't have that many venues here. You know, your historical perspective on this might be a good thing to kind of uh, help piece some of this story together. And, and there's other subjects I want to get to, but like since we're on this subject, you know, like my perspective is like, oh, there's shows at the 50, there's shows at the Space, uh, a few other places occasionally mm-hmm. have stuff like Ikebox yeah. and whatnot, um, which is, you know, okay for like a town. Like some places have nothing. Yeah. Uh, but. It, Salem's kind of been off again, on again. Yeah. In terms of venues, like, do you, what are what what do you have any insight into this or perspective or? It's it's Salem's always been hard uh, when it comes to venues, uh, to the point where we usually just had to play in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you've always had a few Gov Cup. Right. Uh, they have been, I shouldn't say consistent, but over the years they've had waves of of uh doing shows there and they seem to lean more towards the weekends kind yeah. of thing you know yeah like you probably aren't going to see something on a wednesday night no yeah no uh there was one summer where my band played there every friday during the day <laughs> they, they used to do uh, like these day- that's kind of cool though yeah. a little daytime jam there also seems to be what you would be a bar scene in Portland seems to be the coffee shop scene here in Salem. Yeah. Like, I, I keep hearing about coffee places, current and past, where, like, that was kind of the central place where mm-hmm. you found out about music or saw it. Yeah. yeah. Sip. They used to do shows down in the basement, which is where Venti's is now downtown. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. Venti's sometimes does stuff, but yeah, that seems to be... They're doing more. Yeah. Like, it's on the upswing. It didn't yeah. seem to be as plentiful in the past. No. Uh, now that they've expanded and they've got that uh, all that room upstairs, because it yeah. used to be they would just do the stuff down in the basement bar, which sounds so harsh (laughs) right concrete box yeah (laughs) so many places are like that too out of necessity more than anything yes i mean like if you want to be honest if you design a place with the idea of you know the stage and the sound as the center Mm -hmm. of the way it's set up almost every bar wouldn't work no you know like they're they're not ideal for like you know there's so much glass and windows and it's just it's bad yeah (laughs) you know and like you don't get like a mississippi studios everywhere no um we had do you remember level b 
No, I, so I caught the tail end of it. That maybe okay. there was two shows. I think there was a Nasal Rod show and one other that happened before it was done. Okay. So. Yeah, that uh, that place sounded really good, um, but mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. a theater. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was designed for that. Yeah, <laughs> so it was it was meant to sound good, mm-hmm. uh, but along with that, you kind of lose the. Uh, it's because it wasn't like a Mississippi Studios, right? Uh, it was full of seats, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you lose that social aspect of the uh, standing around, yeah. chatting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. When you're shoulder to shoulder with strangers um you get a totally different energy than mm-hmm. when you're just stuck in a seat yeah i've re- you know my the first concerts i went to as a kid where it's all like assigned seating and you know mm-hmm. getting out of your seat seems really taboo always felt very strange like by the time i got older and it was general admission primarily mm-hmm. i started to realize like oh that's an exception and not <laughs> you know but yeah. you're a kid you don't know you know like your mom takes you to see bon jovi and you're like seated in right. you know 12 c so yep you just quietly sit there and watch the show <laughs> I, i'm not good at that <laughs> i i don't sit at shows very very well yeah i you know i have noticed too that um <clears throat> unlike portland the show culture of salem seems to be dedicated people who like music you know mm-hmm. like you get a lot of people at shows in portland don't get me wrong Music fans come to a lot of shows, too. Yeah. But, like, there's a fair amount of people who want to drink, and they want some music while they drink and party. And that's kind of the relationship with the bar. Uh, What I like about Salem is that when I go to a show, it's almost to the person in there. Like, people who are there for the music. They like local bands. Even if they don't know the band that's playing, they're there to check that band out. Like... There's a curiosity that seems a, a higher ratio than in some cities. And that's one of the reasons why I like all-ages shows. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition mm-hmm. to just introducing new music to people who are in this age where they're more receptive to new things, yeah. um, everyone there is there for the music. They're not totally. there to drink. Right, right, right. The, 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 again, that same problem of like the the finances of the venue overshadow like the reason people are there in the venue <laughs> you know yeah. like for a long time i was always wondering why all shows were in bars until i was old enough to go to a bar and realize oh they make so much fucking yeah. money on yeah. this <laughs> like it's not you know like there's a reason these these things have joined forces is that like they they mm-hmm. reinforce each other <laughs> yeah uh, that's you know the 50 uh, right they they pay their bands, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, not, there's a lot of places that just don't pay the bands. Right. Um, yeah. And, and like, that's, I mean, like, getting paid at all is always like a nice thing, but like, they seem to pay pretty well for what the 50 is and how much money they bring in. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm astonished to hear that the bands do as well as they do, even when it's a small turnout. Yeah. Yeah, which is a testament to their dedication to the music. Mm-hmm. Like they get it that like, oh, we want this to keep happening. Well, it's a symbiosis. <laughs> yeah, mean, you know the you're gonna bring people in, and like the space. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know the the space. They bring people in for the music, and then they buy some food realize hey this is great food this is a cool vibe and they come back totally Um, it's a lot of regulars that i see there um and full disclosure i do work there so i should say that (laughs) i've played there i should say that um uh but like uh you know 
when you get to know the people who come in pretty often, they are people who like came first from shows. Mm -hmm. They're now there for dinner once a week. They bring their partners or their kids. Like there really is this kind of, you know, they get it too. And, and, and having played there, I can say they treat the bands well as well. So like you, you get a a good incentive to come and perform there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And like, that's something that not a lot of venues get. Like I've done some shows in Portland where, like they barely acknowledged you when you came in to set up and they're kind of like oh there'll be a guy with you shortly just Mm -hmm. go over there (laughs) you know and i feel like every time i go in like somebody is greeting me at the door like hey you're playing tonight like here's this here's that let me you know answer some questions i'm right here you know i i love hearing the bands that play there um because i think i think at the space they pay the bands according to the door Yes. And, uh, but they give everybody a, a stipend so they can eat some dinner or have a drink. Yeah, know? yeah. You're always going to get a meal and a cocktail at least. Yeah. And then you're probably going to get some gas money if the exactly. door is good. Right. You know? um, and, and, th- and that's something that's not the case no. everywhere. <laughs> uh, I've heard so many bands after leaving there that, you know, even if the turnout wasn't great, so they didn't make much money. Right. They loved it. They mm-hmm, loved playing mm-hmm. there, and they want to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I believe you've played there as well. I have, yeah. So we should probably get into that, because uh, uh, my ulterior motive was, and, and I'll make sure that there's links to this so that people understand. I, I spoke with your bandmate, Kelly. Yes. Uh, not realizing we were going to talk about you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was, the, you know, he and I were talking about his uh, solo project. This, yeah, uh, his electronic Electronic, stuff. kind of experimental, weird... Um, you know, it, it, it's almost every song is a different kind of thing for mm-hmm. him. Which I like about it is that it's he takes on these challenges and then kind of does a song in that challenge or that style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a different way of things. And, you know, and so out of that, he's like, oh yeah, and I have this other band, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that kind of broke things open where we started talking about the Salem scene and who was connected to who because uh, it sounds like. Uh, years for months has uh, been percolating for a while, and it's people who like to play music mm-hmm. as well. Uh, do you want to, like? I guess I'm looking for a little bit of backstory. Like, how did the, you know you knew Kelly? And I have his backstory of saying like he knew you growing up. Yeah. How did? But like you know, I think he's being a little modest. Like, how did this really come together? What's the the band origin? Uh, the band origin really started with Stan Keatley and and me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we. We got together. Um, we got together just to make some music, see what happened. Uh, and when we started out, we kind of wanted to uh, produce somebody. Mm. And so Jocelyn Page, uh, we brought her in, and she had all these great songs, and she's such a good singer. And she was doing some like all ages performances, yes. uh, just kind of a singer songwriter kind yep. of stuff. And, and we wanted to kind of give a, a full band sound to her songs. Yeah. Uh, it didn't end up happening. Uh, thankfully, Brides happened, which is... <laughs> the, the, uh, the project that has grown out of Yes, <laughs> that's, that's what... Uh, Brides is so much better than, than Stan and I would have done with her. <laughs> <clears throat> If you are looking for professional photography and contemporary style and glamour, 
then J. Jean Portraits is your destination. Based right here in Salem, Oregon, just like this podcast, J. Jean Portraits can offer the right kind of photos for the project that you have in mind. Family photography, personal branding, magazine-style fantasy photo shoots, band photography, J. Jean Portraits wants you to look and feel your absolute best, and they know that professional work at a reasonable cost is the way for you to get there. WTBC radio listeners will be able to take advantage of a contest where they will be able to enter and win a photography package by J. Jean Portraits. Please keep listening for contest details and how you can win these awesome, awesome deals. But until then, please visit jjeanportraits.com for a dazzling gallery of photos that will help you decide what kind of photography package will work best for you. Home, business, or just because you're feeling sassy, J. Jean Portraits will deliver these perfect snaps every single time. That's jjeanportraits.com, a professional look tailored specifically for you. But uh, when when that didn't end up happening with Jocelyn, we just decided, uh, Stan decided he wanted to play drums. He'd never played drums before. Mm. And so we started playing together. We brought uh, Andy Douthit, who was in Easterly with Stan. Right. Now, this is the band we talked a little bit about last time. Yeah. Uh, I gotta, apparently, I got to talk to Stan to get that the Easterly story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Easterly was, they were one of my favorite Salem bands. They might be my sa- favorite Salem band of all time. They hmm. were um, just sticky sweet pop, uh, <laughs> depressing pop. Sure, sure. Is there? Is, that's the best kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so the three of us were playing my songs, and then, uh, but I was having to sing them, and I hate singing. <laughs> I love writing songs, but I hate singing. We kind of, we talked a little bit about this yesterday off mic, but uh, it is kind of funny how I meet so many people who are musical, they love music, and they don't like singing. Yeah. It's really weird. Well, it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> it, is, it is very scary, yes, yeah. this is true, it's true. I, 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 there's something about it, though, where... Maybe it's because I, I've done it for so long where I feel like it's part and parcel with the song. I almost forget I'm singing along. And so that's the part that is scary to me is that I, I, I'm worried that someone is going to overhear me <laughs> singing along and, I, and, I, and I'm like, oh, wait, wait, I should be actually singing for real and not just kind of faking it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's my only concern is that I'm not, I'm not putting enough like heart into it. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I just get, oh. <laughs> no, I so I uh, I got a hold of Kelly, who I played in several bands with over the years, and asked him if he wanted to come down and play some bass and or sing. And uh, <laughs> uh, he did sing, and I'm like, yes, here you go. Here's all these other songs. Let's sing. And then Kelly and I started writing together, mm. uh, which I had never done before, mm. uh, and. I love it. Yeah. Uh, he's such a great lyricist. Well, it turns out he has a great voice, too. He does. So it yeah. works out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, yeah. But there, I mean, like, there's a, um, you know, and I've only heard a few songs, so I, I don't have the full repertoire under my belt, but uh, there's definitely a kind of creepiness in the songs that's not... Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's part melancholy. It's part I want to tell a scary story, but more atmosphere than you know. I, I um I don't know exactly what I'm putting my finger on, but uh, was that something that came out of your lyrics, or was that Kelly's influence? Both. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the the song that maybe I think is the creepiest is is the one that I sing. Kelly won't sing it. I, I don't know why. Uh, he claims that it's too hard to play his bass part and sing it. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a pretty creepy song. It was one that I wrote um, just putting myself in a place that I didn't want to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, but putting myself there to to get this song out of it. Uh, and I... I feel terrible when I sing it because like, <laughs> I, I don't want people to think, you know, take this seriously. Right. Uh, that, uh, that I'm really feeling this way or that mm. I think this. Um, but That's kind of the, uh, the old power pop problem, you know? Like so many of those power pop hit songs, uh, My Sharona being the most obvious, are kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, that, you know, like Big Star has a little bit of that underbelly of like if you dig too far into these lyrics... I mean, I think maybe even the biggest top 40 example is Weezer, where, mm. like, there's a few Weezer songs where you're like, you want to keep her in the room locked away from the public? What? Right. <laughs> you right. know? Uh, and so uh, there's something about when you get too close to, like, a pop song, I think the impulse is to, let's get a little creepy with it. Yeah. Well, it's it's a great exercise to mm. do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but... I still have that that feeling of please don't 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 think this is me. It's not me. It's the song. It's <laughs> yeah. the song is saying something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That well, that is certainly. I, I think I'm probably pulling this from like a they might be giants interview. But there's there's a, a difficulty in the character that's in the song and trying to make it clear that that is a character in the song. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I mean when. When you're listening to a song, I mean, you're, you're putting, you're taking it and putting it in yourself. It, I, I like the idea, though, of, like, writing songs that are not just your perspective. Yes. Uh, because, like, you know, and, and maybe this is in itself a bit of a cliche, but, like, I feel like there's too many pop song love songs, rock song love songs, songs mm-hmm. that are just, like, a, here's my genuine heartfelt feelings. I like that. I really want mm-hmm. Daniel Johnston in my record collection, too, because mm-hmm. I want earnestness, whatever form that takes. Uh, but there's also something kind of nice about, I'm going to create a piece of art. Yeah. And that requires perspective, and it's saying something, and it's contrasting against this, and it's a different exercise. Yeah, it's the difference between writing a memoir and writing a novel. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, I think, in a way, it's harder to write novelistic songs. Mm-hmm. or fictional songs like there's something about my point of view that's so easy to sing you know like oh i, li- I love her i think and oh yeah. it's great and it, it you know but like when i try to put myself in someone else's shoes like that is a really nice exercise that's mm-hmm. a cool exercise to try to accomplish you know getting there is tricky <laughs> yeah it can be yeah so uh, this is not the first project you've done with kelly and he and no. i talked a bit about this but um so his perspective on it, if I remember correctly, is that uh, 
he brought to you a song he wrote and from then on you guys were kind of like music friends that would share music together Uh, is that the gist of it like we i you know we actually got we played in jazz band in high school together oh it goes that far back it goes that far back (laughs) yeah and so we we started playing other people's songs together because we're playing you know, you know, whatever the jazz around midnight director. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, give me some loving and mm-hmm, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, so we got to know how each other played. He played bass and I played guitar, and so we had a chemistry. And after high school, he started a band with. Uh, well, he'd been playing with a friend of his who wrote. They wrote songs together, mm. and yeah, he came over with this song that they had written and uh, I played some guitar and it just kept going from there and I've played in four bands with him now I think (laughs) and again these are ones that uh, unfortunately maybe didn't pass the two-year mark that's about how long they last (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah there is a phase I remember this too you know I hate to compare it to relationships but it feels like the most apt because it's it's so often the case there is a phase where like all of my art projects didn't get out of the first couple of year phases you mm-hmm. know it's like all of my re- first relationships were these like yeah a eh, couple years and then it fizzles out uh, i think it takes maturity before you can really kind of mm. hang on to something and go like no let's let's fine tune this let's hone this you know well a band is very much a relationship it's mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean making music with someone is one of the most intimate things you can do yeah you say things to each other that you don't usually say in your everyday life because you're 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 trying to communicate so much more than just like how are you yeah <laughs> you know what did you do today mm-hmm. <laughs> that's cool so uh in terms of the bands that you've played in with him, have they changed dramatically over time, or have they all kind of been in a rock and roll? They kind were of all thing? they were all rock and roll. Yeah, got it. Uh, I don't branch too far out. <laughs> Kelly does. You like guitars. Basically. I love guitars. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We should probably talk about gear because there are some people <laughs> who, um, <clears throat> when they listen to me talk to people, they are yelling at the speakers saying, "Why aren't you asking about guitars <laughs> or yeah. pedals or fill in the blank?" <laughs> so, uh, was that? Uh, I guess a, a better question to back up. When did you fall in love with gear? Was this before you were in a band or? Um, as far as gear goes, well, when I fell in love with guitar mm-hmm. was watching Neil Young play on Saturday Night Live <laughs> in 1990. Oh, uh, Keep on Rockin' in the Free World? That's the one. Yeah. And at the end of the, the set, he's just breaking his strings with his Bigsby and yeah. uh, like that. That's what I want to do. <laughs> it's such a clear um, delineation of like, I am this kind of rock star and not this kind of rock star, you know? Because, like, Neil Young, you know, I feel like when I was a kid, he was one of those people that was so much more mature than the stuff I liked growing up. That it, I was like, oh, I want to get to Neil Young someday, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and so I feel like when you finally get it, you know, it's like when you finally click with, like, Paraubu or some other kind of, like, heady music, you're like, oh, this is what he's saying. <laughs> See, that's... Neil Young was why I bought a guitar, mm. but... I just thought I was going to be playing in my bedroom. Mm. It wasn't until I saw Beat Happening that Mm. that was when I realized, wait, I can do this. Yeah. 
that's a great introduction too because that is like the essence of like let's strip it down to just what oh, we need yeah. nothing more yeah you know and like really kind of like oh no this is how we sing in this band like it's mm-hmm. we don't you know we're not trying to do like mariah carey we're doing beat happening yeah <laughs> you know yeah uh, unfortunately it kind of retarded my progress mm. because when i got the guitar i was i was into joe satriani and steve Vai and that mm. kind of thing and, and eric that's, johnson yeah and, yeah and, and so that was the stuff that i was listening to at first oh sure and so that was kind of the path that i wanted to head down well then i saw beat happening i'm like I can do this now. <laughs> you don't have to continue this exactly. long journey to get to surfing with an alien. You can. Exactly. And unfortunately, I kind of wish I would have sure. learned my instrument better. But sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like, there's always that trade-off. I feel like, oh gosh, this could turn into a whole other show. <laughs> the lessons that we learn, though, from Beat Happening and from that kind of attitude of approach towards music because i had a similar experience i I was 14 i'm listening to eric johnson's you know cliffs of dover guitar Mm -hmm. solos and going like this is it man like the peak of of guitar perfection you can play these scales over and over again and it's just (laughs) beautiful uh and then there is that moment um and like you know for me it it was much more on the nirvana end of things Mm -hmm. where like you suddenly hear something so much simpler yeah and it's just as moving and you're like holy shit (laughs) your your whole brain breaks open um but like i think beat happening has a very different you know because whereas i wanted wild at first and louder and let's just get the guitars louder like Mm -hmm. beat happening is a whole other mental approach to writing a song like it's like i'm i'm punk rock but i'm not loud punk rock yeah you know i'm you know, intimate, but this is like my vocabulary, not mm-hmm. love song vocabulary. Uh, and like that, the lesson you learn from that band is a, it takes a while to unravel in your head, I think. You know? D- did you ever see them live? No, I, I, you know, by the time I was seeing Calvin perform, Beat Happening was like, I think just gone. Okay. And I was like, Ugh. I think Dub Narcotic was my, sure. my, uh, my Calvin band. <laughs> yeah. It was incredible the way he would interact with the audience. Mm. Uh, just, he would lock eyes with, uh, with just random people in the audience, and when he would look at you, uh, you felt it. <laughs> He's got that presence even still, though. Like, I, I, gosh, it was maybe even seven years ago I saw him most recently, and like you felt it when he came into the room. I was like, oh, yeah. Calvin's here. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's another. It's a whole other kind of show, you know. I uh I actually got dissed by Calvin. Oh no! Yeah. Okay. Let's let's get the dirt here. I, I was at uh, Ozone Records okay. up, up in Portland, and I was up there to see a Lois show. Sure. And I was enamored with Lois. I was super fanboy. Yeah. And I was talking to my friends while we're looking at records and saying, I need to give uh, Lois my address. I want to be pen pals. Sure. And. Uh, from across the records, I hear this low voice say, she's over at Powell's right now. If you want to watch her buy a book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And I look up and there's Calvin. Oh, jeez. That was a good Calvin impression too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that's you know but you know and again you know maybe the the charmingness of this is lost on the youth but there was a time where it, it like we went from rock stars being like Bon Jovi, mm-hmm. where it was just like the stadium, throngs of people, you know, they're tearing his clothes off as he's like, you know, trying to get through a song, uh, to move it all the way to this other extreme where you could go and, and bump into Lois at Powell's and yeah. be like, oh, hey, how's it going? You right. know, like, I really liked your new record. Mm-hmm. Are you playing soon? Like, you know, like it's, it's just a whole other universe of music. And maybe now the importance of that shift is well duh but to me it felt like a universe had you know suddenly broke open Mm -hmm. when like i went from like it's robert palmer you know this huge icon to like oh hey i could go over and and talk to those guys (laughs) after the show yeah (laughs) you know it felt like a revolution in my mind yeah 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 when i that that first beat happening show uh i'm sorry i'm sticking on beat happening but no they're worth it they're worth it they, they were my my very first show mm. uh, my first indie show got it uh at the x-ray cafe and uh it was real people mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what got me yeah was you know these, these folks are because you know i'd been to to big rose garden shows and that sort of thing before right. but this show Wait, these people are just in the audience with me watching the other bands. <laughs> they happened to walk in the same door you did. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's not necessarily even a green room at this place. No. No. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it is um you know, uh and I think everybody has that moment too, like where suddenly this thing that you admire in your bedroom where you're like learning chords and you're mm-hmm. like, Teehee, it'd be fun to play and then like you see other people do it in such a casual and intimate way, like you're almost stampeding towards the stage. Like it's really yeah. hard to keep people yeah. from not it's starting a band. Inevitable. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's pretty excellent. I like I like stories like that. I you know I I I I, I hate for this show to become waxing nostalgic, but <laughs> at the same time, like so much of that kind of stuff, I think helps inform music now because I see people with the same kind of energy who are just as excited about getting up there to play again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no matter how jaded I get, no matter how many metal shows you go to where, like, you feel like you can't hear anything else again, like, I still see people who are pouring their hearts out going, like, no, yeah. here's a song I want you to hear. Please listen, you know. And, you know, it's nice to know that, like, I, I haven't been able to, like, you know, uh, pave over that part of my heart, <laughs> you know, that it's like, that I can still get affected, you know, just, yeah, I just the other day, a brand new song I had not heard at all before. I was like, you know, tearing up almost. I was like, Oh, that's very sweet. You know, and it was like this moment of like, Oh, I'm so glad I'm not like the cynical asshole. That <laughs> I could very well be. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. So, uh, years from months now, if I understand correctly, there's some recordings that are, we're working on it. We're in the beginning phases of this. Yeah. We have maybe three songs just about ready to mix. Mm. Um, and then some drum tracks for the rest. So it's, it's coming along. Right. Uh, we're Stan is a very busy boy. He is. (laughs) Yes. Well, and have you been working with him for a long time? Not just this band, but other, other projects, right? No, I helped him out doing sound at level B for a year or two, however long that lasted. But, uh, 
Otherwise, I just knew him from Easterly. Oh, okay, okay. For some reason, I had it in my head that you just knew him from, you know, previous groups and whatnot. Just, uh, just Easterly. Got it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a character because mm-hmm. uh, the amount of groups he's recorded and oh mixed and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Oof. It's I, I I mean, I was talking to him once about the uh, number of hard drives he's sitting on, just like <laughs> yeah. bands that he doesn't have time to mix because he's got paid projects that he's working right. on right now. Yeah. Like, I would love to have that problem. No kidding. <laughs> so, he's somebody I definitely want to get in here, um, but. Uh, I'm kind of waiting for the right time because, like, I, d- I don't want to catch him, like, right after vacation. I don't want right. to catch him when he's too busy, but I also want to catch him when he's feeling talkative. And, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's tricky to, to find people when they're when they're in the right mood. Yeah, you, sh- you should definitely talk to Stan. Yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah, we were talking about gear. Mm. Uh, the instrument that I'm playing in years for months, uh, I play a bass six, mm. uh, which is this strange combination of a guitar and a bass oh okay it's a six string guitar I think i've seen the, strung okay. an octave lower yeah okay i've seen these before people play these yeah, yeah. That is, so uh do you play it with a pick yes or, oh okay yeah you you have to yeah uh you can't play it as a bass it's the strings are so close together oh that was gonna be my next question is yeah okay See, um, yeah, we should close the gear conversation before okay. we get too far astray. Uh, was there any other open threads that we had? We, we finished Beat Happening, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, if you don't know Beat Happening, go get those records. They're great. <laughs> They're fantastic. K yes. Records, check it out. Yeah. There's lots of cool stuff on there. Uh, Lois, but please, buy yes. some Lois records. Yes. What, what are you doing with yourself if you don't have <laughs> Lois records? Oh, my gosh. Um. Yeah, so, okay, uh, now you fell in love with guitar by yourself, you started playing in bands, now, did you, at that time, were you like a guitar nerd about it, or were you just kind of like, this is the guitar I have, and I play it? <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty much it. I, I had the guitar that I had, mm. and uh, I, I had a Strat, and I would... I did so much stuff to that guitar, I still have it to this day. Uh, <laughs> It's the only thing left of it that's original is the body. Ah, uh, but like every, the neck and everything. Has everything's been, all... been replaced. Got it. Yeah, uh, and it's my favorite instrument in the world. I love that guitar. Nice, nice. Now, is that uh, do you t- does Tim Knight work on this, or where do you take it if you need? I have not taken that guitar to anyone in twenty years. Oh, okay, uh, interesting. So yeah. it's it's as as good as it's going to be right now, and you baby yeah, it. <laughs> I'm not, not not changing a thing on it. I, I did get my neck from Tim Knight. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find out how many people I know probably have one of his guitars because yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to think that it's more than I than I think it is. <laughs> yeah, he he's had some great stuff over the years that. That store, other than the neck, I don't know that I've bought any guitars from him, mm. but I frequented that store a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a fun place to hang out in. Like, the few times that I've been there, uh, you get to hear uh, John and Exine play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then people just kind of wander in and pick up guitars. Inevitably, they're great players. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's kind of an interesting little little shop. <laughs> it's a great store. Great store. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you play the Strat. Now, after that, did you start getting... Is that when you started getting more into guitars, or is um, that... I kept that guitar for... Well, I still have it, but I, I played guitar. I got into pedals mm. pretty uh, pretty early on. 
uh, a place where you can throw a lot of money down a hole if you'd yes. like to. <laughs> yes. To this day, I still am addicted to pedals. Mm-hmm. There's something very charming, and this probably goes back to me seeing John Spencer play Ooh. at one point where he had a bunch of pedals that he was... But he was playing them expertly. It wasn't like he uh-huh. was covering sloppy guitar playing, no. which you can do if you buy the right pedals. Uh, but he was like expertly actually changing yeah. the volume and adding this effect and that effect. Pedals are an instrument. Yeah, and it was that moment where it suddenly went from... I need a guitar and an amp to, oh, shit, I need all those things in between. What are those, (laughs) you know? Uh, And there's so many, I mean, depending on your interests, there's so many different directions you can go in where Mm -hmm. you can practically make it sound like a synthesizer if you want to. Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. WTBC Radio is also sponsored by Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce. Locally made in Portland, Oregon, Peggy's Sauce is 100% vegan and 100% ready for you to experience a taste explosion you'll want again and again. Available in three flavors, Hotter Melon, Ghostberry, Five Star Gary, Carolina Reaper. That's with avocados. Don't forget to mark your calendars for March 18th, 2018 for the spring seasonal release. Have some of Peggy's vegan hot sauce on pop-up menu items only available on this night. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, you should check it out. It's going to be at the Twilight Cafe in Portland, Oregon. And I think if you like this kind of sauce, you're going to have a great time. For more information about Peggy's sauce, including ordering inquiries, please visit Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce all one word, on either Facebook or Instagram. Let me say it one more time. Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce. When you need a little something with an extra kick. Are there ones that you are your go-to, this is the uh, the Mick sound? or? <laughs> uh, my favorite pedal I have right now uh, that I use with the Bass 6 is uh, an electroharmonics key nine mm. that is a it's a synthesizer pedal okay that it uh, mimics various keyboards Got and it. so I can turn my bass six into a Rhodes bass <laughs> or uh, Wurlitzer depending on the on the need for the song yes so exactly if you want to go more doors or less doors. yes <laughs> yeah. You get some weird sounds out of it with that uh, that instrument because cool. it's in such a strange range. Now, are you, I mean, the, the options for buying pedals now have like, <sighs> gone. In, you know, it used to be the one guitar store you'd go to. Like now, right. you can get anything online. Where? What's your source usually? Craigslist. Craigslist. <laughs> I like to trade. There's enough people locally where you could oh, absolutely yeah. not have to buy anything for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're listening to this, I have pedals to trade. <laughs> I want your pedals. We'll put some uh, <laughs> contact info in the show notes uh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, now, in terms of your like interests in gear, do you kind of just keep it to guitars and pedals, or has it moved to amps as well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the thing I'm starting to obsess over right now, is the sounds of amplifiers, which yeah. are just gorgeous when you start to realize the massive differences between tubes and not, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, uh, solid-state uh, transistors and all that kind of stuff. Uh I, There's know, a place for both. Every every for amp sure. is its own thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why I 
I have a wall of amps because <laughs> they all do something different. Sure. And I'm only just starting to get into this range too, but like I love how different things sound depending mm -hmm. on what you're plugging it into. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of jokes these days of like, you know, people who do largely digital music going like, I downloaded 50 amplifiers last night, you know, kind <laughs> right. of thing. Which is absolutely a thing people do now. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think uh, Daniel yeah. and you and I were talking yeah. about that last night. Uh, but like, I, you know, I didn't believe that that was going to be something I was ever going to worry about until well, maybe four years ago where I was like in a room and there's like seven different amplifiers and I'm like, holy shit, each of them do sound differently. Yeah. Like, and yeah. depending on what guitar you plug into each one. Yeah. It's that guitar, like an infinite variation. Because yeah, they all interact with each other. Yeah. Now, do, are you sculpting that particular, I want this guitar with this amp oh, and yeah. this pedal for this song? Um, when I'm recording, yes. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll bring a, a certain guitar and a certain amp into the studio for that song. Right. Uh, live, of course, you've got to just pick just a guitar scale and back. Amp. <laughs> It's not as easy to bring six amps to, no. <laughs> uh, to a, a show. Although you could probably get away with it, to, uh, since it would be local if you were going to play around town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's cool. Like, uh, yeah, I um, have found, you know, especially as I get older, more and more respect for people who understand these nuances. Because, like, there is that desire to be the Renaissance man who knows everything about all things. Uh, except that you end up not knowing right. everything about you. You know a little about a few things. <laughs> the, yeah, the more I learn, the more I know I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so I am seeking out people who have that kind of expertise. And I, you know, like I know for a fact that I'm just starting to notice this difference between uh, amplifiers and guitars and whatnot. And so knowing someone who does, that's a key. Uh... Eric Lovery. He, mm. He's the guy to talk to about that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I already, that another name that has come up at least three or four times recently. Yeah. <laughs> So, but he's uh, been playing around forever. Oh yeah, he was right? in Dharma Bums. Yeah, yeah, like back in the day. Yeah, yeah, that guy's uh, pretty cool too. Like super. he, um, he seems to, uh, you know, in an era where everyone is trying to sound like, I don't know, the tragically hip or something like that. Like he seems to be. Nope, I do roots rock. Yeah, I've always done this kind of thing. I'm gonna yep. keep doing this thing. He plays rock and roll. <laughs> You know, that's pretty admirable. Like, a lot of people try to change with the times. And, yeah. You know. No, I, I, I'm kind of the same way. I've always just played whatever comes out. And uh, usually what comes out of me is rock and roll. Mm, so. Yeah. No, that's... Um, it's, it's hard to deny the kind of song you want to write, you know. Like, you could be in a band where you've got to churn out whatever. But, like, I think at the end of the day, like, you just start playing the chords that you want to hear like you mm -hmm. know you can't fight that <laughs> you know i think that's how velvet underground happened is that he was just so damn sick of those pop songs that yeah. like you know eventually you're going to get to rock and roll and all of those Lou Reed hits <laughs> velvet underground that's another one like like neil young and beat happening for me mm. hearing hearing heroin for the first time yeah if i would not have heard that i would not have been able to understand my bloody valentine or mm. any any of the the noisier stuff that came later it kicks that door wide open yeah. too i mean like uh, there's a few songs on that first uh velvet record that like 
you know, the roadmap for uh, all shoegaze. Yeah. Is like basically two different songs off of that record is like, there's your shoegaze yep. uh, blueprint, keep going. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I came to Velvet Underground very late. I'm wondering if it's the same, the Doors soundtrack. That's exactly where I heard it. Yeah, you see, okay, so I inherited this from my mom. So she had a record store when I was a kid. Oh, that, cool. Um, we sold comics, we sold uh, paperbacks, and we sold records. So, like, all of my uh, neuroses were, like, <laughs> right. for sale in that store as a kid. <laughs> uh, and so she got the Doors soundtrack because she was on some, like, BMG sure. club thing. And you get, like, you know, a billion CDs for a penny or whatever. Um and then it sat in a pile of CDs she didn't really listen to, you know, <laughs> along with all these other things. So, like, eventually I just raided it for whatever seemed remotely interesting. And uh, that was my first, like, I mean, I knew of The Doors because you heard it on Kazel like, yeah. every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, there was stuff on there. I was like, I don't know The Velvet Underground. I don't know some of these other bands. Yeah. And, and Armina Burana. Right. Yeah. yeah. It kind of opened up. You know, at a time where I was veering like very exclusively like alternative punk rock, loud guitars kind of stuff, uh, that was kind of like almost pulling me to the 60s in a way that I mm-hmm. hadn't really paid attention at all. And then eventually led to Nuggets and all these other like 60s pop songs that, you know, I probably would have sneered at as a teenager (laughs) um but i think you need the context of lou reed to help fill in that gap you know like he really kind of helps guide you (laughs) when when i heard that door soundtrack cassette for the first time it was i was in the hospital on a demerol drip even (laughs) listening to heroin yeah so you're getting the full experience (laughs) yes you're like wow that's fantastic. You know, like you're actually, you know, when the needle hits the vein, you're exactly. actually thinking like, this is happening to me right now. <laughs> yes. It was, yeah, it, it completely opened my whole world up. Yeah. Was that, um, a, not to dig too deeply, was that like a, a, were you in the hospital for an accident or how I, did that? Just a knee surgery. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more common than I thought. Uh, I just, I always wonder if there was a, a worse story to that. Yeah. <laughs> So. Nothing probably exciting. probably the best uh, circumstances then for listening to a Doris soundtrack. Oh yeah, <laughs> completely controlled. Yep, <laughs> uh. that's great. That's great. Now, um, I guess I probably want to wind things down a little bit. So, in closing, uh, Northwest Notes, like you know, we've kind of encompassed many things that you do and whatnot uh but uh, do you see the show going anywhere in the near future that's different from where you've been or is are you kind of trying to keep the same path yeah i don't think i'm going to be going anywhere too different i really like the because i feel like i'm i feel like i'm doing a service Mm -hmm. uh, by giving local bands a, a voice well and it's a document of these these years and these times you know yeah like, uh, in the same way that uh, people who were making zines in the 70s are like, well, there's no other way people can know about this, so mm-hmm. I'm writing it down. Yeah. Like, your show becomes, like, a little bit of an archive of, like, here's some local things that you probably don't know. <laughs> the the archive aspect, though, I don't, I don't ever archive anything. Mm. I, don't, I don't keep any of it. Okay. To me, part of the beauty of it is... It's happening live right now, and if you don't hear it, you don't hear it. The ephemeral. You, it, it's like a sh- it's like a live concert. Right. Um, it's 
it's happening right now and you get to experience it and you get to remember it, but you don't ever go back and hear it again. And, and uh, I love that. It's, that's part of the beauty of it to me. There's something about that kind of evaporation of media, that mm-hmm. kind of like the moment, like we shared it together. Yes. I hope you were there. Exactly. You know, like, I remember as a kid listening to the radio and feeling that very acutely where I was like, did you, I hope somebody else heard that too. You know, yeah. like that moment of like connection where uh, you wished you were in a room with a bunch of people so you could talk to someone else about it. And, yeah. Um, you know, uh, those lessons are hard learned because as someone who has loved podcasts over the last 10 plus years, uh-huh. I have really gotten it in my head recently of like everything must be captured for all history, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I run into the problem of like you're sitting on piles and piles of hard drives of all of these old shows of like, but no, I have all of 2005 recorded. It's great. Right. <laughs> you know? And you're like, no one's ever going to listen to that again. <laughs> well, I, you know, I do keep, um, still, I have old practice tapes, cassettes mm. of, of bands and stuff that, that I that's in. more valuable i think but as far as the radio show goes no wow this Just... is gonna be one of the few things there'll be no record of in the future <laughs> yes yep. you know we'll know of this thing called northwest notes <laughs> and we'll i think uh his name was uh michael something <laughs> uh now that's cool well uh anything else before we uh we wrap this up or uh dharma bums that was, I mean, it was just 90s alternative, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that name on all the flyers in Eugene. Right. Because, like, I, everywhere I'd go, there'd be, like, a Dharma Bums thing that I just missed. <laughs> yeah, I never saw Dharma Bums. Uh, I'm going to see them Saturday. Uh, yeah, is uh, uh, Daniel going with you? or Maybe. Yeah. I'll bet he is. Yeah, he said I'll... something about how he can't miss that show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I never saw them. I, I learned of them through all the bands they spawned. Right. Because uh, I was just too young. Yeah, there's a little bit of like a, um, almost like a, a Salem mini history just in that band, right? There. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I did one time, I started doing a uh, Six Degrees of Separation of Dharma Bums. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This guy played in a band with this guy who played in a band with this guy. Right. Because Dharma Bums are the nexus of of uh oregon it's so much stuff uh, out of that the, uh, one group you know yeah. like um yeah and we, we may have even talked about this before too uh but my friend pat who kind of was my link to salem before i got here um he ended up playing in pilot which was yep. a jeremy wilson yep. band. i opened for pilot yeah yeah the, uh, that, so there's so many of these connections where if you've done any music at all in Oregon, you're probably connected to that yes. band in yep. some way. <laughs> yep. So hmm. that's perfect. I some I gotta I gotta uh, reach out to Eric. Several people have said I should talk to him, and uh, he seems He's, pretty approachable. Oh yeah, and he also understands the value of radio. Yeah. Well, and I think he does. He work on guitars. Works on amps. Amps. He's the amp guy. Yep. Yeah, so he, yeah, there's more reasons to chat with that dude. Yeah, he's got a lot of stories, too. I bet, I bet. He, he's, he's, a, he's an old curmudgeon. Yeah, didn't he do something? He had some involvement with, like, R.E.M. in some capacity, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, mm. there was some... Off, I, Maybe. I'm, I'm trying to remember the... Uh, I mean... Tim Knight told me well, some story that so, I should probably corroborate. <laughs> um, if, you, if you do that whole one degree of separation thing, uh, Peter Buck is in 
um, well, he's been in the minus five, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which um, another member of Dharma Bums was also in. Oh, uh, maybe um, that's the story. John Moen. That's um, what. That's probably what it was. Is that I was flipping it with Eric and John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's see, still it all goes back to Dharma Bums. Right. Right. Well, and there's <laughs> and there. This is the. Um, the benefit of being someone who didn't grow up here is that like there's so much local music history that I am still piecing together uh-huh. and trying like I hear these names and whatnot and I'm always like was that this way or that way you know and so it's nice to actually talk to people who were there. <laughs> so did you grow up up in Portland or? So I grew up in Cottage Grove. Oh, okay. Most of my music stuff happened when I was living in Eugene. Yeah. And so from. Basically, 93 through 2000 was my Eugene years. Some Velvet Sidewalk? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I saw Unwound a uh-huh. d- dumb number of times because they're great. Uh, and, uh, you know, local bands in Eugene as well. Uh, um, one of the biggest ones at the time that I really loved was the Mex Pistols, which was a mariachi themed punk rock kind of band. (laughs) And they would do like instrumental, like spaghetti Western kind of music that sounded like it was good for like any Clint Eastwood movie. Uh Uh, But they just had this like hilarious punk rock stage presence. It was just fantastic. And there was, there was a period in the late nineties where basically we used to joke every eight hours the Mex Pistols are playing somewhere. Because so, like, <laughs> okay. it just felt like every day there was a show Like somewhere. Brides right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was, so I, I, I was looking at some calendar thing where I was like, oh, I'll go see Brides then. And then I was like, or then, then, yeah. and then. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I'll be able to see them a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a danger in playing too much. Yeah. Well... From Jocelyn's perspective, I bet she's young, she's energetic, she wants to play a lot, so I'm sure she thinks it's great. Well, (laughs) and and honestly, though, when you're at this point in Brides, they're still new enough that you can play out that often, Mm -hmm. but they're getting to the point where they're going to have to start slowing down. Yeah, well, and like, I think if you take the band, any band, seriously, at one point you want to stop and say, like, okay, what's our next move other than playing as many shows as we can? (laughs) You know? Because if that's your only move, like, play as many shows as you can, great, but let's, like, let's get that ironed out and have that be our project, you know, take it seriously. Um, For me, it's always been, okay, now we can play well together, like, let's, do we want to make a record? Do we want to record? Is there another way we want to express this you know like that's always my next question mm-hmm. is like once i know it works like i'm like okay what do we do with it <laughs> you know like i think she's just really excited that it works and so she's like hey it works <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's which, do it which is great you know um there's something about that youthful enthusiasm that i miss a little bit because like i had so much more energy when i was like <laughs> yeah. 20 21 22 uh-huh. to like put flyers up to call people to book shows to like write songs and like now i'm like okay what weekend can i block out to do this (laughs) you know yeah it used to be your whole life yeah it's a different game you know like you figure it out too and you make room for it because it's important it's music you have to uh but like it's it's just a different game that you're playing (laughs) you know it's um not to take it back to relationships, but it's like relationships, you know, like, you know, instead of like, 
every night is Friday night where it's dinner and a movie and we're boning afterwards. Like, <laughs> let's slow this roll a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, we'll, we'll cook for each other now. And Yeah, that's that's a good analogy. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, this has been excellent. Like, uh, I want to hear more years for months uh, as this uh, develops because I love bands that are kind of passion projects by people who are not just trying to knock out a single yeah. <laughs> you know um and i can hear that in the the songs that i've heard it's like th- th- this is not there's other ways to make like big records like this is a personal record these are personal yeah. songs yeah definitely so that's i i I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes cool Conversation with Mick Hickman, uh, a musician and DJ uh, that you can find around town. There'll be some links in the show notes, but let me just say one more time in case you weren't listening too closely uh, please check out Northwest Notes, his program on KMUZ. It's an excellent slice of Pacific Northwest music, and as he said, no one's archiving it, so if you don't listen live, unfortunately, uh, you have no other option. But uh, it's a, a really great show that I think you will dig if you like uh, the sounds of the Pacific Northwest. I also urge you to check out Years for Months. Uh, a lot of fun uh, rock and roll stuff with uh, occasionally creepy lyrics that uh, we all know of. The show's theme song is by Paco Jones and Laura Jones. Thank you very much, you two. And uh, our closing Credits are by the band X. You can find more information about this show at anywhereanywhen.wordpress.com. And please let us know what you think. How are you enjoying what we're doing here? This has basically been a full month of broadcasts to kick off 2018. And I decided to put in some pretty cool interviews, things that were very exciting to me. Uh, And I think in the long run it really came out great like i think it's a good representation of where we're going and what this show is going to be like and i and i hope that given this introduction that uh, you kind of see what that is going to be and you're ready to uh, hop on board and come along with us now the show is still evolving we're still kind of getting our footing and i'm definitely learning as i go but I want you to know that all of your input is definitely considered. All of the email that you send to austinrich at gmail.com is being read. And if you are interested in supporting the show, underwriting the show, or just communicating in some form, please do it that way. Get in touch. Let us know what you think. We really want this to be a show that you can get into that has conversations that speak to your interests but i don't know what those interests are unless we forge a dialogue ourselves well you know i'm getting long in the tooth so let me just say you guys are wonderful you guys are beautiful and without you there would be no program
So, uh, you know, one thing that I think unites our interests is records. Uh, I mean, yeah. we are sitting in the same room as my record collection right yes. now. Uh, but, um, it, uh, you know, the notion of shopping for records, of cultivating stuff for our radio shows and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, I'm just kind of curious about, was Ranch your first record store? Or yep. what? Okay, so you were there... But buying stuff pretty early on for yeah ranch was the first record store that i um frequented got it uh second avenue records in portland was mm. where i that was where uh, it was a destination yes yes uh, well I, and you could pretty much count on i can pick up this thing at second avenue they probably have it <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I found some really cool stuff there but yeah ranch was my store from the beginning very cool and it hasn't always been in this location right? no it was next to guitar well i was gonna say next to guitar castle but uh guitar castle's not there anymore either <laughs> uh, it's where the kitchen on court street is that's where ranch was okay so in that space where the kitchen was yeah got it and then right next door where the alley was was where the guitar shop was i'm thinking uh no it you know how the kitchen just expanded yes uh the part it expanded into was ranch the part that it's in was guitar castle oh okay okay yeah i'm very again the you know it's somebody needs to do kind of like the salem oral history of the buildings downtown yeah because this is the other thing i'm starting to realize is that like there's all these people who have a lot of sentiment attached to well you know that space used to be yes (laughs) well that was the book bin uh, I saw shows down in the basement of the book bin before mm. it was the book bin. It, it was just this community center that it was just punks. Yeah. And it's a place where they'll let us do an all ages thing. Exactly. So let's roll yeah. in. <laughs> Doing them down in the basement, looking up through those purple glass squares up at the sidewalk. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect, I love that image right there. That yeah. seems like uh, a place where punk rock will happen. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's perfect. That's so cool. But um, Ranch, you know, has this vibe of a down-home record store mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I don't know. It, it it took me a while to find things like it in Portland. Like, I found places like that in Eugene. Like, House of Records has that same vibe where it feels really down-home, but it also is, like, expansive and has a lot of stuff. Um Ranch gave me that same feeling when I first walked in there. Having not been in it before I moved to Salem, like, I didn't even know about it. I would occasionally come across records that had a ranch sticker, sticker on yeah. it, and I'd be like, hmm, I wonder where this shop is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so it's kind of cool to, like, meet people who, like, were weaned on it. Like, I, I kind of feel like House of Records raised me in Eugene, where, like, that was a little bit of my third parent. <laughs> See, I, I got lucky when it comes to records because when i was 20 Mm. i started working for a record label and record distributor Mm. and nail nail yeah okay i i this is you're not the first i've heard of several people who've worked at this place now cool so i remember when i first moved to portland i met a couple of nail folks who were like 
oh yeah, it's really cool. Here's all here's all the stuff we're putting out this yeah. week, you know, or <laughs> whatever. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, I. I heard so much new stuff through there, stuff that, and, and I got so many records, because I could buy them at cost. Right. I got so many records uh, from 95, 96 uh, okay. that I still have to this day. Nice. So, and they started around then? Ninety five, I think, was ninety five, ninety four. So I got in right when Nail started. Got it. Uh, but Schizophonic Records was the label that uh, Mike Jones owned both of those yeah tim knight was telling me about schizophonic i think i need to uh talk to mike jones <laughs> yes. oh absolutely mike jones was uh he was the doug hoffman of the 90s oh okay uh, he made salem cool he's like putting on shows yep. trying to help records get released that yep. kind of thing so did he play drums too Played bass. Ah, an admirable <laughs> instrument. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I I I've played bass the most in bands, um, but I uh, I have me too both instruments. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at guitar at all though. W T B C.